that was just such an easy way to reduce that inflammation off my body and to make a commitment to myself that I didn't need alcohol in my life. Hello, and welcome to the Wholehearted Glow podcast. I am your host, Blaze Collette. Thank you for tuning in with me. I am a personal trainer and lifestyle coach based out of Miami. However, with the coronavirus and the world's kind of ideas about how we work and how we do what we do with all that shifting, I have moved a lot of my business online. So with that being said, I am really excited to offer to you virtual personal training training services, as well as virtual sports nutrition coaching and lifestyle coaching as well, just to assist you in figuring out exactly what your goals are, why they're important to you, and then we can go forth and reach those goals together. So that is a little bit about who I am and what I do. And I really love helping people in this way. I've been a trainer for five years now. I'm 27. So I've been doing this since I graduated from college and it really is my passion and I love to help people with this. So if you're ever curious or you just want to learn more about exactly what I do, my training methods, I have my own very particular style and I really adapt that to whatever the person or the client is in front of me and what they're looking for. So if you have any questions on that, feel free to head over to my Instagram at wholehearted underscore glow and just send me a DM and we can talk and chat about it. I have options available for everyone and finding that silver lining within the coronavirus is that I can really do this from anywhere and assist you and help you from anywhere. So I am really excited with all of that being said to jump right into today's episode and the title of this one is called How I Shifted My Body Composition Naturally. So I sometimes feel like being in the health and wellness scene and having worked with so many clients over the years and having trained so many different body types, taught so many different group exercise classes, all those 5 a.m. mornings I got up and all of those evenings working in the gym, teaching, etc. I've really taken a huge interest in how can I provide the most change for someone without them having to feel like they're restricting, without them having to feel like their life is getting smaller, without people having to feel like they're being put in a box of having to eat this, 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 and this food, and without having having to make them feel like they have to do hours and hours of exercise, right? And this is what we all want. We want to feel good in our skin. We want to feel strong. We want to feel powerful. And if you're a woman listening to this, I really can relate and connect with you because I have struggled with my body my entire life. So just a little bit of a background as we jump right in. My mom was always super, super active. We literally grew up bike riding. We grew up running. We went on family walks every single night. Uh, We went swimming. We were hiking. We were climbing. I mean, you name it, we did it. And we lived in a bunch of different places throughout the United States growing up. And we were super, super active, right? My dad, same thing. He was also very active, but... He was more on the lower intensity spectrum of activity level. So it would be more like walks, slower bike rides, whereas my mom is like 
hacking up a mountain in the snow with us and (laughs) we're like skiing behind her trying to catch up like she is a badass love you mom um so my parents are divorced so i had a little bit of a different upbringing from each but activity was always very important but let's talk a little bit about the genetics behind that because like i said i have struggled with this for a long time my mom a little bit on the shorter stockier side whereas my dad my mom's probably five five my dad's six one so i'm five eight obviously that makes sense a combo of those two however my mom's side has a history of excess in their life right so my dad or my mom's dad my grandpa was an alcoholic and my grandma was a drinker probably an alcoholic but not like dehabilitating as my grandpa was And so they were never like super fat or overweight, but they always had very red skin, very inflamed, a lot of heart issues, a lot of heart attack issues. And a lot of this came from the excess and impulsive decisions to completely be like intoxicated all the time. And that is a huge thing that plays into even to this day what I do and why I do it and how my body responds to alcohol. I don't even drink anymore because it really inflames my whole system. It inflames my body. My mind feels like shit. I just, I don't like it. So that was my mom's side. My mom never drank growing up. Literally, I could count on my hand probably five, six times. I don't know, maybe 10. Uh, and that was because obviously her dad really struggled with it. So whereas on my dad's side, my dad's whole family, except for my dad was, was and is morbidly obese. Now my grandma on his side basically grew up in the war in Italy. Well, it is now Croatia, but it was Italy at the time in the 1950s and 60s well it was like 40s and then she moved here in the 50s and then started to have a family in the 60s and then my dad was born but with that being said they always had this mentality that came from my grandma that there was never going to be enough food and there was just like never going to be enough to go around i mean there was four kids in the family and Everyone had to eat, eat, eat because they didn't know when they were going to eat next. And that came from when my grandma was in the war and there really was basically nothing. And to this day, she's actually my only grandparent that's left alive. Love her so much. And, you know, you go to her house and it's completely hoarded with objects and stuff. And even the food that you see in the kitchen, you're like, how old is this? Oh my God. But they were all really obese and a lot of them still are. And this is really something that I feel because it is within my family, I have had to fight against that my whole life. And so I always had this internal battle in my head of like, okay, so you know your whole dad's side of your family is obese. You don't want to end up like them. But then on the other hand of that, I also have three brothers. So growing up, it was always this like, oh my gosh, like every time we got to the table, it was like, just eat, 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 eat everything you want. And, you know, I practiced, my mom helped us work on moderation and stuff, but I feel that as a child, I didn't have that impulse control that I have now and I really struggled with binge eating and looking back it's really funny because I didn't even know 
that I had a binge eating problem. It wasn't so bad that I was like throwing up or was feeling like binge and restrict type mentality. However, I was really struggling with that pretty much my whole life. And it was just this idea of like excess, 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 and then deplete, deplete, deplete. So this is a big reason why I did struggle with my body image for so long. Now, another thing that has played into this heavily, and I do want to speak on this, is the fact that I was prescribed Adderall for eight years. I think I took it for maybe seven, uh, if that sounds right. And this is because I am very ADD. I always have been. And to this day, I do struggle with it. I always have a million thoughts in my head. I'll do one thing and then start doing another and then start doing another. And I luckily have a job where that does actually really benefit me because I need to be watching people in a lot of different ways. I need to be queuing in a lot of different ways, working the music, working the room. So it ended up working out. However, throughout my schooling years where you have to sit still for eight hours, I would just be like, oh, this sucks so bad. Fuck this. And I would just be kind of doing my own thing. So then I was prescribed the Adderall, but also I was never taught how to really concentrate. And that's what I've been working on the past few years in my career, in my meditation practice, in my workouts, in my resistance training. So Anyways, uh, this affected my metabolism. So if you have ever taken any type of stimulant, it is important to reflect back and think about what it was, what the dosage was. We don't need to get into the details, but I will say it was an appetite suppressant. So for seven to eight hours, my appetite would be completely suppressed. I would drop off that stimulant and feel extreme intense hunger. Now, this does not create a balanced level of hormones in the system over the course of the day. And that's not really beneficial to my body. And it's not beneficial to what I'm looking to make my body look like, because basically I would just eat a bunch of food. I wouldn't even think about what the food was. And then I would be like, oh my God, now I'm so full. Right? So I didn't ever really think like, okay, well, what foods have nutrients? what things are going to benefit me, what's going to make me feel better in the morning versus the evening. And these are things that you have to go on your own journey with food. Not what everyone else is eating, not what other people are saying, oh, well, I heard fat is bad, so you shouldn't eat fat. Or, oh, well, I heard carbs are bad, so I'm going to go keto. Or, oh, I heard I should be a vegan, so I'm going to be vegan. No, you know your body. And if you take the time to eat unprocessed, natural, beautiful, digestive, friendly foods that make you smile, that make you feel good, that make you look good, if you take the time to explore what those foods are for you, I can promise you that you're gonna feel better. So I was just not really educated on this. I always knew like, you know, I always ate my greens and my proteins. I knew about carbs, protein, fat, but I didn't really understand what foods worked for me and what worked for my actual body and my body type. So briefly, I would like to overview with you three different body types as they are known scientifically. And then I also want to bring in the Ayurvedic perspective, which is the holistic healing system from India. That's 5,000 years old, the body types that parallel within that holistic healing modality. So let's talk about these. And then I'm going to talk about kind of my journey as we continue on this path and how I've been able to shift my body composition without 
losing any weight, but completely changing the way that I look. So we have the endomorph, the ectomorph, and the mesomorph. So the endomorph is the type of person that tends to store body fat easier than others, right? They're a little bit heavier set. They have wider bones, wider hips. And it's not that this person is fat or overweight. It's just that their body holds on to weight a little bit easier than someone else's. And if you're thinking about this from an Ayurvedic perspective, this would be a kapha personality. So a great example would be like the friend that you know that you know, maybe they're not a stick figure rail thin and haven't ever been their whole life, but they're also a very steady, calm, strong person. That is an endomorph. So maybe that's you, maybe that's someone you know. I really encourage you to take a dosha test. This is for kapha, vata, or pitta, which we're going to get into all three briefly. It is very complex and I'm not going to spend 45 minutes explaining all the doshas because you can easily find that information online. But it is important to think about okay, yes, here's the science. And then here's also the science that's a little bit more holistic based. How can we kind of pair those two together to understand ourselves and to understand our bodies? And that is what this journey has been all about for me. Okay, so then we have the ectomorph. This is the stereotypical rail thin person, your friend that you're like, oh my God, you eat whatever you want. You don't get fat. I'm super jealous. That's me anyways. Um, Jealous, just kidding. But I've always had those friends, you know, either they're shorter and super skinny or they're taller and skinny. It doesn't really matter their height. However, this would really be that person that they can build muscle very easily because they don't really have a lot of fat on their body because their body just doesn't store it. I know a lot of men that are like this. They're just like very skinny um, and obviously women as well. This would be characterized as a vata body type. So if we're thinking about vatas, they're very um, kind of like up in their head, up in the clouds a lot, but not necessarily in a bad way. It just means they have a lot of ideas. They're very creative. They're always thinking. Um, They're always kind of like churning things up high, up in their head. So that's where vata comes from. And then we also have mesomorph. So mesomorph would be more like my body type. So I'm going to speak to anyone who can relate to this. So a mesomorph type is more full-bodied, but not quite a kapha, which I feel like is a little bit more than full body. We have more of a muscular type body type to us. However, me personally, I can also, not only can I build muscle relatively easy, but I can also get fat on my body relatively easy if I'm not careful, right? And that's an interesting thing to think about. And I've always really struggled, right? Because sometimes I'm like, well, what the hell? I'm so like muscular. I'm doing all this exercise. Why am I not skinnier? Because I've never been the skinny type. And a mesomorph person is never going to be like the real thin type. They're just like a very full-bodied person. Like my always friends just say, well, you're just a bigger person. I'm like, well, okay. Thank you. Um, But I've really come to appreciate it for what it is as I've gotten older. And this in Ayurvedic wisdom translates to a pitta type. So a pitta type is a very fiery person. So again, they tend to be more athletic. They love the high intensity exercise. Um, 
they're very fiery. They've got a lot of shit going on. They're like, I'm a leader. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. I am a very Pitta type personally. So those are, that's a very brief way of looking at the different body types. But as you do some of your own research and you start to understand, okay, what are these different types? And like, how do I resonate and relate to one of them maybe more than others? Then you can start to explore what it would feel like to eat for yourself and not for someone else, right? So now I want to talk to you about what foods and herbs and things do I do or do I consume rather that make me feel grounded, that make me feel calm, that make me feel full? And you'll notice these foods, this has nothing to do with calorie counting. I haven't counted a calorie in years. I don't plan to. I don't want to. And I'm really grateful for that because I used to be a very numbers-based person. I used to weigh myself all the time. I don't do any of those things. I have completely changed the way that my body looks by the way that I think about food, the energy that I put behind the food that I'm cooking and eating and intaking, and also how I have a mentality around my body image. So I really want to just talk to you about that. So some of my favorite foods, I'm just going to walk you through kind of what what types of foods I will eat in a day. And perhaps some of them resonate with you and perhaps that they don't. But the basics and the spine of these foods are all going to be very helpful to any person. None of them are going to be harmful to your health. So in the mornings, I really love to start off with two huge glasses of water. Super important. I have a big 16 ounce medicine or medicine ball, um, mason jar, uh, ball jar, you know what I'm talking about. And I have two of those in the morning before I do anything, before I drink my coffee or anything, excuse me. Then I make my coffee. So I have bulletproof coffee This Bulletproof Coffee, I've done a lot of research um, and I've taken some time to balance out what level of coffee I'm having in the morning because Bulletproof is a very strong coffee because it is low in acidity. So a lot of times when you buy just a generic coffee at the store, whether it be a Starbucks roast or anything that's just like cheap, easy, heavily processed, right? Your body, it, it it carries acidity levels within it because of the way that it's processed is a simple way of saying it. So I've done a lot of research and I found that Bulletproof is the cleanest type of coffee in the way that the grounds are both produced and processed. Now, how does this affect you throughout the day? Well, Bulletproof coffee, you don't get a drop off from. So for example, I had some Bulletproof this morning around 7. It's 12 o'clock, 11, well, it's 1130 now. I feel great. I normally, if I'm drinking normal coffee, like from whatever place, or I just buy like a shitty type of coffee at the store, I will feel a drop off around 1 or 2 p.m. where I feel very tired, very exhausted, very lethargic. So I always like to start with that Bulletproof coffee. It is so good. I put some almond milk in there and I'm on my way. After that, I like to have just a banana and perhaps some peanut butter, maybe not, and that's my breakfast. And then I love having oats. Oats are a great thousands and thousands of years old grain that really fill me up. They satiate me and I never feel bloated or heavy or gross like I would after eating like a, 
you know, white bread or even like a baguette, something that's a little bit heavier. Oats just make me feel full, energized, and ready to go. So I love to mix in a bunch of different seeds with those. I'll have flax seeds, hemp seeds, chia seeds. I like to put cinnamon, which is a mood stabilizer and regulator. And I have that with some blueberries. And blueberries are really, really, really great for cognitive function. So if we think about the longevity of our brain, it is so important to make sure we're eating our berries, specifically blueberries, because like I said, they allow us to keep our memory really sharp and to keep our brain sharp. And I think that that is so important, especially in these COVID times, because I personally have found that I am spending a lot of time on my screens, spending a lot of time scrolling, and I have these theories that scrolling really does make me not very intelligent because it's completely putting my brain into a mind-numbing state. It's basically shutting off and I'm just viewing, viewing, viewing content, viewing, viewing, viewing content. And then I'm like, what am I even thinking about? Nothing. And then I'm just like, what is my brain even processing? And it's processing all these images, but there's no thought behind any of the images. So what am I actually doing? I'm just consuming mindless crap. And that is like not very healthy. So make sure that you're eating your blueberries, your raspberries, your blackberries. I also love the health benefits of these because they have that high level of antioxidants and they're lower in sugar. So I do really try to stay completely away from processed sugar. I've eliminated eliminated it over the years and man, I feel so much better. I never get that gross like layer of bloating feeling that I used to get. I don't know if you can relate to that. So berries are great. They're low in sugar. They're high in antioxidants and they're good for your brain. So I have those with my oatmeal. And then if we're thinking about foods that I like to have for lunch that you would benefit from as well, I just love cooked kale. It's so delicious. I'll cook it with avocado oil, salt, and pepper. And then I'll maybe have that with some organic black beans that I saute with some onion. And I'd like to put cumin on there. It's a great seasoning. Recently, I've been putting jerk seasoning on stuff, which is actually really delicious. It's It's a mix of Jamaican herbs. And I actually used to work in North Carolina at a Southern restaurant. And we had a lot of Jamaican people working there and it was so cool because they taught me all about Jamaican cooking. So jerk jerk is really good. Jerk chicken is like a famous thing, but I'm basically vegetarian, so I don't eat that. But anyways, so I love having cooked kale with different seasonings, black beans. I like to throw in nutritional yeast, which has the vitamins of B12 and all the B complex vitamins. So if you're a vegan or someone who doesn't eat meat, maybe even a vegetarian or a pescatarian. B12 is really important because it's a vitamin that's actually found in dirt. So we need this because it helps us to like keep our cognitive function, but more importantly, it keeps our energy levels up. So I find when I'm very B12 deficient, I get more tired, more fatigued. I want to give you an example. When I was doing Ironman training six months or so ago, I was just exhausted. I was completely burnt out. I mean, you're doing hours and hours of cardio every single day. It's so fucking brutal, but overall great experience. 
And I was talking to one of my triathlon friends and she's an athlete and she was like, you've got to get on this B12. And I'm like, I'm already taking B12. She's like, yeah, but you're probably not getting enough. So I like to have nutritional yeast because it has that B12 complex and it makes you feel more energized. And it really helps if you're an athlete or you're someone who trains heavily. So make sure that you're getting your B12. It is so, so important. And you can also supplement your B12. I like to get mine from the Bulletproof Company because it is a B12 complex. I know where it comes from. It's ethically sourced and created and I'm all about it. I wish they were sponsoring me. They're not, but that's just what I personally use. And other vegetables that I'm super into right now, bring on the broccoli, bring on the bok choy, bring on the um, French green beans, very into those, and just any dark leafy greens, arugula, mushrooms. I love just sauteing all of those together in a cast iron pan, which you're like, well, why a cast iron? Well, the cast iron... Um, obviously it's made out of iron. So as a woman, I have been anemic for years and years and years. And honestly, most women are anemic. I think it's seven out of 10. And it's really important that we get our iron. So I like to cook in the cast iron pan because I do get some of the benefits of the iron from the actual pan and sauteing within it. So I like to saute all those vegetables. They're amazing. They help me stay digested. They're full of fiber. They're full of healthy carbs. And these are really important things. And then for my protein, I'll either have, like I said, the black beans or I do tofu, which I've recently been doing less of because I was going through a point where I was eating a lot of soy and it wasn't bad. I just felt like maybe I should be eating a little bit less. So, um, or I'll do chickpeas, garbanzos. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't really like lentils. I know they're great for you, but I'm not really that into them. And then in the afternoon is typically when I'm like my hungriest. So around 2 or 3 p.m. after I've done one or two workouts or trained, you know, six or seven people, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am starving. So I'll probably kick it off with maybe some sauteed sweet potato and then I'll have that maybe with like some sesame seeds on top. Absolutely delicious. I'll have an arugula salad with just a basic oil and vinegar dressing. And then I do like to have, I need something crunchy. So I'll do either some sort of grain-free cracker or I'll have celery and carrots and I'll dip that in hummus. However, I will say that I really do like to eat cooked vegetables and they always make me feel a lot better than raw vegetables. So I try to, honestly, if I don't have cooked vegetables, I'll eat a cracker before I'll eat a raw vegetable. Now, some people might agree with that. Some people might argue with that, but that's just me personally. And then I love to have fruit in the afternoon too. So I'll have maybe an apple or some more berries or a banana. Those are my fave fruits. Absolutely love them. And I'll always be drinking a lot of water throughout the day. So these are the foods that I eat. And I've really cleaned this up over the years, guys. I mean, I used to eat, like this sounds so bad, but like I would wake up when I graduated college and like I was living with my boyfriend, my ex in Montana. I would wake up and like have 
like a cookie and coffee. Like, what is that? <laughs> it's not healthy. And then I would have a lot of chips, a lot of salsa, a lot of guacamole. I, like, I'm a sauce person, 100%, but I've learned that herbs and spices are just better for me because I can get the same flavors without feeling like absolute shit and feeling bloated all the time and feeling literally disgusting. So... Yeah, I mean, I've really taken the time to clean it up. So what I'll really advise you to do is I want you to think about what is going to make you feel good. What foods, when you eat them, you just know that they feel good for your body, right? Like all those foods I described to you, I've really taken time to curate exactly like what tastes good for me, what feels good. I always have a lot of flavors, a lot of seasonings, and... I don't just eat bland food. Like I'm not over here telling you, yeah, you know, I eat two egg whites for breakfast, three pieces of chicken and four cups of broccoli. And then I finish the day with some salmon and some rice. You know, if that's things you want to eat, great. But what I have done is I figured out what I enjoy, what feels good, what tastes good. And then I've paired it into this beautiful menu of foods that I cook and create for myself throughout the day. Another thing with that as well is like really look into your oils. So for a long time, I was cooking with olive oil, which isn't bad if you're cooking under 325. But if you are cooking any heavier than that, olive oil is actually toxic for the body at really high temperatures. So I switched to avocado oil and coconut oil, which do better at a high heat. And it's been really great for me and I love the avocado oil. I also now when I buy stuff, I try not to buy really anything processed, but let's say I do, you really want to look out on your ingredient list at palm oil, kernel oil, uh, canola oil, vegetable oil, sunflower oil, and I would say those are the main culprits, but a lot of times food companies will sneak these into all of their foods. Like for an example, you'd buy a bag of nuts and there would be like peanut oil and palm oil and you're like, uh, what the hell? So really make sure that you're looking at your labels. And the biggest thing that helped me reduce inflammation in my body and thus shift my body composition was I started looking a lot at what oils were in everything. So definitely make sure you're taking a look at that and then look at your cabinet. What oils do you have? And are you happy with those? Are they making you and or your family feel good? Or could you get an oil that's probably going to feel better for you? So that's what I eat. Another thing I want to speak on is drinking. So this was another easy, easy, easy way to literally lose layers of belly fat actually off my body. So I always struggle with my stomach. And if you want to look at my transformation pictures, just go right over to wholehearted underscore glow on Instagram. I believe it's like the seventh photo down, eighth photo down. And that's a pretty recent photo. So, um, 
Yeah, I used to drink like any normal person from the United States because that's kind of what our system teaches us. Oh, you wake up and you go to your nine to five or you go to school and then you're so stressed out and pissed off that you come home and you crack open a beer and you drink and then you pass out and then you wake up and you do it all again until you get to Friday. And then on Fridays, you get absolutely blasted and you wake up on Saturday and you're hungover and then you recover the whole day and then you do the same thing Saturday night and then you wake up on Sunday feeling like shit and feeling depressed and then you wake up on Monday and you literally repeat that cycle for the rest of your life uh no thank you so that's basically what I did for I'd say like the last um I mean from ages college so 18 19 to age 25 so yeah I was like um I would say light to moderate drinker never like crazy crazy but on the weekends definitely enjoyed imbibing imbibing whatever you call it and I was always really unhappy with the way it made me feel I would definitely eat in excess when I was drinking and I would wake up just feeling sad and just not stoked so I went through a period of time last year when I was struggling with depression and I was like, I can't drink because as you know, alcohol is a depressant. So why is so much of our society doing it? And I was like, I I can't drink because I don't think it's going to be good for my mental health. And I wasn't taking any antidepressants. I healed myself naturally. It's been a really long process, but I've been able to do it anyways. So I stopped drinking and I haven't drank in, I had one beer in the last year and a half, I would say. So yeah, it was fine. But that was just such an easy way to reduce that inflammation off my body and to make a commitment to myself that I didn't need alcohol in my life. Now, if you struggle with addiction, that's a different story. This is more, I want to live my life in the most optimal, crazy, awesome, amazing, bright, colorful way. And I want to do that without alcohol. And I don't want to be around people that need to drown their sorrows. I need to drink all the time because it's not healthy. And just being a trainer and being a coach, I really decided a few years ago that I was going to live my message and live my morals and live my values. And in doing that, I had to let go of shit that was not benefiting me. So I want you to think about the role of alcohol in your life, how it affects your body, your mind, your friendships, your relationships, and and ask yourself like, Is this something that's worth it to me? Now, if you're drinking one glass of wine once a week, is that an issue? I would say no. But a lot of times we're too reliant on it and we got to break that habit. So I challenge you to do that maybe 20 days, 30 days, 40 days. That's what I used to start with. And then I was like, I'm going all in and I did a full year and now I'm just kind of basically never looking back. But yeah, that really, really, really helped me lose belly fat because that's where alcohol is typically stored when you drink. So there's that. And then I want to talk a little bit about exercise programming. So as a personal trainer, I have a lot of different modalities and styles that I use. For myself personally, I also like my food. I've had to curate 
my exercise programming and what feels good for me, right? Because it's different for every single person. So I used to just run, like I would just run every single day, five, six days a week, different miles, had no plan. Then I was at one point just doing Pilates and yoga because I'm certified in both. And then I was doing running Pilates and yoga. And then I was doing some strength training, but I was kind of copying programs that I would find online. And I never went to a custom trainer. Even being a trainer myself, I can create my own exercise programs and all of that. But I didn't have as much education at the time. And then when I started working at Equinox, which is just the best in the business for personal training, I learned a lot about the seven main movement patterns of training. And these seven main movement patterns are what changed my body. So you have your upper push, your lower push, you have your um, upper pull, lower pull, then you have your um, hinging pattern, your squat pattern, and then you have your transverse patterns. So basically it's how can I move my body in the ways that are beneficial to me, but that are like, they make sense for my body. So let me break these movement patterns down again for you in a little bit more of a basic way. Okay, so you have your squat, your lunge, your push, your pull, your hinge, your twist, your walk. Okay, that's what it is. So um, yeah, there's just like, there's all these different ways to work your body and we wanna think about pushing and pulling. So I never really thought about this, but think about it, right? So if you're in a plank position and you come down onto the ground and then you push up, you are pushing your body off the ground. Now, let's say you are hanging on a pull-up bar and you have the sick, amazing amount of, <laughs> sick, amazing, large amount of upper body strength and you pull yourself up. That is a pull motion. So those are upper pushes and upper pulls. But then let's think about lower pushes, lower pulls. So a lower push would be a squat. So you're standing on the ground with your feet hip distance apart. You're descending into a squat position, pushing weight down into your heels, and then you're squeezing your glutes and exhaling to come up, squeezing the glutes. You're pushing up from that movement. Now let's think about a lower pull. So a pull would be a deadlift. Now deadlifts are really important that you have a trainer or a coach helping you with because they're one of the most um, in, in, improperly done exercises in training. Those and any type of lower pull is very hard because it requires a lot of actually lower and upper back activation. So a deadlift, let's say you have a weight on the ground and you pick that weight up with control and integrity throughout the entire backside of the body, that is a lower pull. Okay, so basically this is a long way of saying that I learned the movement patterns of functional training and then I put them into my program based on my goals. So my goal the last year was to get as good at triathlon as possible. Uh, my goal for the last two years was to get as good at functional training as possible. So over time, I've shifted and kind of rotated my program to assure that it's meeting my specific goals by using these main movement patterns. So what I do is I do three lifts a week based on those movements and based on my goals. So the past six months, like I said, I was Ironman training. So I was doing a lot of movements that were cardio-based 
and then I was lifting lighter. Right now I'm in a heavier lifting phase because I'm trying to build more muscle and drop more fat. Uh, and also, so that's like the strength training side and this is honestly super complex, but I really like explaining these things to people and when I'm on Instagram, I really just don't have time to go in depth. So there's that. And then there is what you're doing for your cardiovascular fitness. And this is really important because I think that cardio is sometimes put into this general umbrella category that, oh, well, you know, a walk is cardio or, oh, um, yeah, I'm on the elliptical. That's cardio while I watch my show on Netflix on my phone. Or, oh, I'm running, that's cardio. I'm hiking, that's cardio. I'm swimming, that's cardio, right? So there's all these different ways that, yes, we can get cardio. But if we think about cardiovascular fitness, it's what is my heart doing and how hard is my heart actually working? So when you think about your cardio, something that I really changed was I went from doing steady state cardio to high intensity interval based cardio exercise programs. So what this means is instead of going out for a four mile run, a two mile run, or even a 10 mile run, basically what happens when you do that is your heart rate goes up from, let's say it's at its resting heart rate of 60 or 50. It'll go up to one between 140 and 170, depending on your age and your cardiovascular fitness. And then it will stay there for the duration of the workout because you're going to run at the same pace. When we interval train, we train the heart to work at different capacities. So this is something that's huge in my programming and something I teach people because it empowers you to change your body without having to work out for super long periods of time. Because if you do this type of interval training, it's really, really, really good for dropping fat. So you have your steady cardio. Then above that, you have your threshold pacing. So this is like how you work your body when you're at a threshold it's basically how hard your heart is working. So let's say we have our resting heart rate, then we have maybe going for a walk, then we have a run. Then above that, we have our threshold pace or my threshold amount that my heart can work. Then above that, we have our VO2 amount that our heart can work. So this is our VO2 max, which is like really pumping, really freaking cranking. And then above that, we have our all out max max capacity. So the lower the heart rate is, the longer you can keep it, right? If I'm at a steady heart rate, I can keep that for the rest of my life. But as you go up and up and up, there's only a certain amount of time that your body and your heart and your mind can really handle being at each heart rate zone. So when we interval train, what we do is we increase our lung capacity and we increase our heart's ability to stay in these particular zones for a little bit by little bit by little bit longer periods of time. So when I started doing this type of training, I was like, holy shit, where have I been my whole life not doing this? So let me give you an example. So I would start out with something like, if you're a runner, a mile run, and then I would do some dynamic stretching, which is basically stretching that is going to activate the muscle fibers as opposed to lengthen them too much and make you more prone to injury. So I would do some dynamic stretches, some accelerations to get my heart rate up even further, and then I would do something like 
okay, I'm going to go for four rounds of two minutes and 30 seconds as hard as I possibly can, push, 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 and then I'm going to take two minutes and I'm just going to stand and I'm going to rest, recover, and I'm going to do that five times. Then I'm going to go to a hill and I'm going to sprint up the hill as hard as I possibly can for, let's say, a minute, and then I'm going to jog down it. I'm going to recover for 30 to 45 seconds and I'm going to do that let's say six times. Then I'm going to finish with a mile cool down and then I'm going to do some core base exercises. Now, how much more dynamic is that for your body than I'm going to go out for a four mile run? Because what that does is it gets your heart rate up, down, in between, in the middle, pushing, gasping for air. Your body's going up a hill. Your body's going down a hill. Your body's having to constantly adjust and adapt to the workout at hand. And that is the essence of high intensity interval training. So doing that really helped me to drop my body fat to get me faster as a runner, a swimmer, and a biker. Because I do that type of training with all three modalities. And it has just been really beneficial. Another thing that I've always loved having in my exercise program is just making sure my core is staying really, really strong. So with Pilates, I teach Pilates once to twice a week, and then I teach yoga once to twice a week. But having a mat Pilates or reformer-based class within your exercise program is so important because it keeps your core rock solid. It's an hour or 45 minutes of your day once a week to dedicate to just getting your core as fired up as possible. That is so important. Now, my ladies, I really want to talk to you about the next thing. So... I have noticed in working with a lot of women that you guys want to have a really nice back. You want to have those nice muscular shoulders, but you know, nothing too crazy. You know, you don't want to be bulky, which it just cracks me up when people say they don't want to be bulky because you would have to lift so much weight. You probably wouldn't even be able to lift it in order to get bulky. So don't ever worry about getting bulky, ladies. You need to lift your weights. You need to do your kettlebell swings. You need to do your barbell movements. You need to do your functional training. And none of it is going to make you fat. In fact, none of it's going to make you bulky. In fact, it's all going to make you leaner and stronger and freaking look amazing. So with upper body. I have got to give you this life hack because it has taken a lot of consistent practice, but I used to have a lot of back fat. I was very insecure about it. And I was like, why is my back not look good? And then I would just run, 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 run. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. I wasn't working my upper body as much as I could. So I used to think, well, if I'm not working my legs, then I'm not getting enough cardio and I'm not burning enough calories and then I'm not going to look good. Uh, no, I have certain days of the week where I only upper pull. What does that mean? That means I only activate my upper body, maybe some of my lower, because obviously the body works together better than it does isolated. But I have certain days of the week where I only work my upper. And I do this through either swimming, because I live in Miami, so I can go open water swimming or to a pool, which I highly, highly recommend, or a river or a lake. Get your goggles, learn how to freestyle swim. If you're in Miami, I can help you with that. If not, I cannot do a virtual on that, but get a swimming coach. It's such a great life skill and go out and swim for 30 to 45 to 55 minutes. Makes a huge difference on your upper body. Literally, my back fat just completely obliterated when I started swimming twice a week. I just swim twice a week. If I can't swim, I will do rower, the rowing machine, or you can go obviously and row, row, row a boat. 
or uh, the ski erg machine. So this is the machine that the handles are up high and you pull all the way down. So it's a really nice upper pull, really great for your back. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. If you're curious about my back gains, I have those on Instagram as well. But you know, it's been a long, steady process, but understanding that I needed to be working my body in way more ways than I was working it is what really, really changed it and also helped me to build muscle. So the last two things I want to talk to you about um, when we think about shifting your body composition are the importance of sleep and keeping your stress levels low and meditation. So um, let's start with sleep. I have always been a big sleeper. I love to sleep. I can sleep eight to 10 hours a night, but I'm also a very light sleeper, which means, you know, I have to make sure that at night I'm really slowing down. I am making sure I'm wearing my blue blockers to block the blue light if I'm on my phone before bed. I am, you know, taking a nice hot shower. I'm getting all cozy, making sure my room is nice and cool. The lights are off. I have a lot of pre-sleep rituals that have helped me not only get good sleep, but they've helped me prioritize sleep and feel good about going to bed every night. And I think that sometimes in our society, it's like burnout culture. It's like go party culture. It's, oh, just, you know, sleep when you're dead. Actually, no, I want to be able to live a long life. So I need to make sure I'm sleeping. Now I'm kind of a grandma around nine or 10 o'clock. I'm like, okay, fuck this. Like I'm literally going to bed. And I know some people you're probably listening to this and you're like, you're crazy. I'm a night person. And I would rather go to bed at 2 a.m. and wake up at 10 a.m. Well, I wake up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. every day. So actually not 4, I would say 4.30 to 5.30 is my wake up window. But I just, I know I need my eight hours. And so what I do is I do a simple backtrack. So I look at my schedule because I am super scheduled out and I'll look at my Google calendar and I'll say, okay, my first appointment is at 5 45 a.m. tomorrow. So that means that if I get up at 5.20, I need to be sleeping by 9.20 in order to get eight hours hours of sleep, which means I need to be starting my sleep routine by 8.45, 8.55 so that I can be winding down and closing my eyes around 9.20 and then I can get my full eight hours. So use the backtrack method. It's simple, it's efficient, and it's a great way to make sure you're getting the amount of sleep that you need. Now, every individual is different and they say scientifically that people need either anything between seven and nine hours. So figure out what makes you function best. I can tell if I have a five hour or six hour sleep night, which I would say happen once happens like once every two, three weeks, just because of whatever thing I have going on. Your girl feels that shit all day and it doesn't feel great. I feel hungover. I also notice I don't like to eat a lot at night because it affects my sleep. So I normally stop eating by like four or 5 PM and I sleep like a freaking baby. Like, let me give you an example. Last night I went to dinner around seven I didn't eat until probably 7.45, 8, and then I was exhausted, so I came home, and I think I was sleeping by about 10, 10, 15, which is kind of late for me, and I woke up literally feeling hungover because the food that I ate, I had like a salad and some zucchini chips, whatever the heck that is. Um, it was just higher in salt, higher in fat, more processed, obviously, because I normally don't eat out, but I did because I want to enjoy my life. 
And um, yeah, my body just didn't have enough time to digest it. So it didn't feel great. So I like to just make sure that I'm going to sleep, not on an empty stomach, but I don't like feeling very full. So if you struggle with sleep, I would definitely look into starting your fast a little bit earlier, right? So if you know you go to bed at 10 o'clock, maybe be done with eating by 6, 6.30 if you can. Now, if you're listening to this and you have a family or you have a significant other and that makes it really challenging, then maybe talk to them and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to shift my body composition. I'm trying to feel and look my best. And do you think you would be open to having an earlier dinner or whatever that may be, or having a different meal together throughout the day? Just an option, something to think about. And when you sleep, I also like to take the anxiety off sleep. And when I take the anxiety off sleep, I take the stress off sleep. So when I can go to bed relaxed, my body's hormone levels are going to be really super regulated. I'm going to feel super calm, relaxed. And that's actually when you're going to burn a lot of fat is when you're sleeping. So that's why trainers will always say to you, we need to keep our stress levels low. So if you're about to go to bed and you're like checking your email and you're super stressed and you're texting your like fighting with your so or you know watching content on instagram that's pissing you the fuck off because it's about like politics or covid or (laughs) whatever thing it's not gonna help you sleep and then you're just gonna feel a little bit more stressed and then you're gonna be like why the fuck can't i get good rest so think about what you're intaking especially not just food but i'm talking about content i'm talking about visuals i'm talking about stimulation the like prior three to four hours before going to bed Okay. So making sure you're prioritizing that is huge when you're thinking about losing weight and just dropping that inflammation off your body. The last thing that really changed my binging, which I had talked about earlier, that's something I always struggle with because I was just like depleting and then going into excess is meditation. And I know, I know, I know it's like such a buzzword and I feel like people think that it's kind of bullshit or they're like, well, meditating is not for me. Actually, Every single person, when they sit down and they decide they're going to meditate and they start to breathe, they're like, well, what the fuck? I have a million thoughts. I need to do this. There's my to-do list. What am I buying at the grocery store? Why did this person do this to me? All the thoughts start running through your brain. So when you take a deep breath and you close your eyes, I want you to practice radical acceptance for whatever thoughts come into your brain. And even if your practice is only five to 10 minutes long, it's an opportunity to create self-awareness of exactly where you're at, exactly what you're doing, and exactly where you're going, et cetera, et cetera. This is huge. And it really helped me stop binging because it helped me realize, okay, well, if I'm full, mindful, why would I do something that's going to make me feel overly, uncomfortably full? Why would I do that? It doesn't make any sense. And so it allowed me to cut emotional ties from food completely and to just honestly eat when I'm hungry and not eat when I'm not. And that, my friend, is the secret to wellness feeling well in your body, feeling well in your mind is to do something when you feel that it needs to be done and to not do it when it doesn't need to be done, right? Like we don't need to live in these excess, extreme, extreme mentalities all the freaking time. 
right? Like we don't need to say, I'm going to starve myself six days of the week. And then on Saturdays, that's my cheat day. Like, what is that? What is that mentality? And how does that affect us long-term? When I let go of all of these super extreme ways of eating and thinking about food, I was able to let my body just settle into its natural state and the layers just fell off and people were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just eating what feels good when it feels good. I'm taking care of myself. I'm not drinking. I'm keeping my stress levels low. I mean, it feels so good. And I just want you to know that that's available to anyone. I mean, none of these things are super expensive or cost a lot of money. They're just investments, small investments over time in my health and wellness. And that has what that is what has really, really, really changed my body composition and changed just my fitness levels, everything. I mean, I never thought I would be able to complete an Ironman event and I was able to do that on May 10th. I did a human created Ironman course. It was honestly so crazy, so intense. And I did that completely naturally and on a completely vegan diet and I'm really grateful for that. So I hope that these tips have been helpful for you and they shed light on the importance of reducing processed crap, reducing extreme restriction, dieting, exercise, and figuring out what works for your body, your body type, and feeling good in your skin today. So thank you so much for tuning in to the Whole Hearted Globe podcast. And I have some really exciting things coming up soon and I'm really excited to share. Just can't divulge them yet, but let's hang out on Instagram together. I'm at wholehearted underscore glow and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Wholehearted Glow podcast today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you liked what you heard, feel free to write a review. I would love, 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 love to hear from you. And if you would like to connect on Instagram, I am at wholehearted underscore glow. Lots of daily shenanigans going on there, but also like real life stuff, coaching stuff, fitness stuff. So anything you need, that is the place to contact me directly. And I will speak with you soon. Bye.